Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Thinking Aloud about film. Uh, I'm Jose. I'm Richard. And today we're returning uh, to the Taiwanese films. Today we're going to be looking at a portmanteau film called Four Moods uh, from 1970. Uh, so Richard, can you tell us a little bit about it? Portmanteau film, four films by four directors. Uh, apparently this was made to kind of raise money for Li Shang's studio, which was doing quite badly at the time, presumably because he'd spent far too much on Storm Over the Yangtze River, mm. which was the previous year. Um, so the four films are directed by, uh, and as usual, apologies if I'm getting these names wrong, Pai Ching Hui, King Hu, Li Sing, and Li Han Shang, yeah. um, all of whom we've previously discussed films by. Um, it's a portmanteau film, and as, as it often is usually, is a bit of a mixed bag, which I guess is the translation of portmanteau. <laughs> yeah, but why did anyone think this film would make money? Portmanteau films did make money, but uh, the chances of them making money were much less than almost any other type of film, really. Yeah, so it's not to say that all portmanteau films were failures, but, you know, they they weren't as a whole kind of a success either. Possibly because they were four very commercial directors, but also particularly having King Hu involved, who is, I think, you know, the most probably the most internationally known and successful Taiwanese director, perhaps was a, a, a way of raising money. I, I mean, I, I've no idea how well this did. But portmanteau films were a thing in Taiwanese cinema, and we've, we've talked about the, these new Taiwanese cinema ones, uh, you know, Sandwich Man and so on. Just as a preamble, part of the interest, but also the frustration of watching uh, this film or these films is the limits of your understanding and of your knowledge, right? Like, it, it really tests them. So, obviously, I, I can't speak with any kind of certainty about, you know, whether a portmanteau film was a good financial gamble if the expectation was that it would raise money for this failing studio. But, my God, a portmanteau film that begins with a 20-odd-minute silent film in 1970, <laughs> I mean, you're really <laughs> taking a risk, I think. Yeah, it kind of yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. It defeats the purpose. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Pai Ching Ju's uh, uh, Joy, um, you know, which, which I liked very much, but actually I, I turned it on and I was thinking, what the hell's going on? I mean, is it really going to be silent? I mean, I thought, oh, it's a little bit. It's a tour de force initially. No dialogue. And then it was like, no dialogue for five minutes, no dialogue. And then you realize, well, really, it's almost like a silent film, but with music, right? Um, and I suppose because we didn't benefit from any of the publicity or, you know, the paratextual stuff that kind of contextualizes a film and sets the mode of viewing, I kind of went into it a bit like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to give a bit of context for the whole thing, um, so th I'm looking at reviews on, on Letterboxd, which actually were very useful just in terms of working out which director did which bit and, and, and so on. But um, the three of the four films, which I assume is the three that are not directed by King Hu, are based on stories from... Uh, by Pu Songling from a 
book called Strange Tales from a Chinese Studio. So, so the three of them are very similar in tone. And I, I guess, again, this is context that we're missing. And it's possibly a little bit like in, you know, in the UK, there's a big thing around you know, the BBC making films of M.R. James ghost stories and that kind of thing. And it kind of reminded me of that because all, all of these three of the four generally had two or three characters. They were about one person encountering a ghost um, or falling in love with a ghost or making friends with a ghost. Um, and so they, they all they all were quite similar twists on the same genre of, of thing. So again, I guess if you're from that culture, you would get that in a way that we didn't. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did enjoy this one. I, I, like, a bit like you, I, I started watching it. I was thinking, is, that, is this all going to be silent? Mm. Then I sort of thought, oh, oh, hang on, are there actually subtitles for this film? <laughs> so I kind of stopped and then went forward and realised there were there were subtitles for the later ones. And then did a bit of Googling and realised, okay, yeah, this is a dialogue-free one. What's interesting is cause I hadn't realised we'd actually covered a, a, a previous uh, Pai Ching Hui film, uh, which was, called, I don't know if you remember this, it was when we did a series of podcasts about the Taiwan Film Festival Edinburgh. Uh-huh. One of the films they showed was online was a, a short silent called um morning in taipei All right, which was yes. a, a, a 20 minute black and white city symphony about taipei uh-huh. um with it with a new score and that was pai ching hui's first film uh, so it's kind of interesting that we've covered two of his films both of which have been silent i presume his other films had dialogue yes yeah. so, i yeah. mean this is obviously a, a historically uh, and, and culturally very significant film. Uh, I mean, aside from its uh, intent uh, to raise money for the studio, it does feature like four of you know, the most popular and significant directors uh, of the time. So I think it's worth uh, seeing for those reasons alone. It is also, as you said, based on these works of literature, but that are almost fabulistic. Yeah, they're kind of meant to convey something about the culture. I mean, they're titled like joy, anger, sadness, happiness. I, I don't know if those are the original titles of the stories, but that, because that this four moods thing uh, seems to be related to a, a kind of Mandarin proverb or, or something around those those four feelings or, or, or emotions. And it feels like it's, it's a little bit shoehorned in because the, the stories don't, particularly the second one, which is supposedly anger doesn't really necessarily reflect that. Um, yeah. Again, again, this is something we're missing. So. Yeah, and also the translations, I must say, are very bad. Uh, the subtitles are atrocious. Mm. You know, you could see these were original burned-in subtitles from an original release print. Yeah. So, yeah they, they weren't great. The, the four separate films each had their own credits, and there were no subtitles for those credits, so you didn't even know from watching the film, there was no way of telling, okay, what's the title of this one? Who's directed this one? And when you look at reviews online, there is confusion about who did which bit. Yeah. I mean, the King Who one is unmistakable, but the, the others... Yes. I also had questions about this use of the word restoration because, you know, the print looks so bad. The colours are all kind of murky, uh, brown, kind of... You know, you don't get a sense that it's been visually restored uh, at all. I mean, maybe... no, no, because exactly the colours are very, very faded, and I, I can't believe that that was how it was intended to look. Yeah. When you comp- when you compare it to, you know, other similar other, other films from those directors, mm. particularly King Who. 
Well, let's put that aside, though, and let's kind of look at the brighter things. So, you know, you mentioned King Hu. Uh, his uh, section is called Anger. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so I mean, basically, it's, it's a King Hu film, and it does exactly what you hope for. <laughs> a King Hu film. So basically, a group a group of travellers arrive at an inn, and then just have a massive fight that lasts for half an hour, which is pretty. Yeah. I mean, there is more to it than that. These, these sort of four groups of travellers. There, there's some policemen escorting a criminal. There's a guy who wants to kill the criminal. There's the innkeeper and his wife who are themselves trying to steal money from their from their their guests. Um, and so you, you basically get all these four groups of people just have a massive fight and we're all trying to, you know, outdo each other, kill each other, or sometimes collaborate with each other. And this just twists in, in, and, in and out. And it, yeah, it's, 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 it's great fun. It doesn't really fit with the rest of the film, but it's, it's, it's great fun. And I think that, you know, in terms of why anyone would watch this film, when, particularly when you look at reviews of this on Letterboxd, virtually everyone who's watched it has done so because they're, King Who fans, and this this is a surprisingly obscure King Who film. It's never it never doesn't seem to have actually been released on any kind of format. So you you, you would expect even if just the King Who bit got released somewhere, it, but it it doesn't seem to have been. Yeah, it's definitely a reason to see the film because it is so archetypally King Who, and as you say, kind of great fun. I'm surprised. I was surprised about the title, you know, because. It's called Anger, whereas the next one that we see, which is called Sadness, seems to be much more about anger to me. <laughs> exactly. And this is what makes me wonder, particularly given that, you know, let's say three out of the four are from the same source and this one isn't. It's a very different feel. It doesn't fit with the theme. It doesn't fit with the title. You know, you, you do you do wonder if they, you know, suddenly they found, oh, 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 great, you know, King Who said he'll do he'll do a bit, a bit for us. I mean, obviously, you're not going to say no. Mm. It is. It does make the kind of fundraising aspect of this clear because I'm sure the the attraction of a, a brand new King Who short that was that's very thematically similar to King Who's other films, or at least the ones we've seen, which basically all involve people arriving at an inn and having a massive fight. <laughs> which is basically... I did enjoy uh, King Who's very much, and I also enjoyed Lee Singh's Sadness, actually. You know, which is about this man who has. Uh, been in prison uh, for uh, 10 years. Uh, his whole family got killed. I'm not sure how he ended up in prison, though, obviously, you know, uh, uh, wrongly in prison. And he comes out to get revenge only to find that the family that killed his family is now also all dead, right? Yeah. yeah. So he goes back to his house and finds this beautiful woman who he falls in love with, uh, only to find that she is the daughter of the family that had killed his family. Uh, and rather than put an end to the cycle of vengefulness, he doesn't. <laughs> all, all, all of the, the three that were not King Who films had that same feel of, of and they, they, they were all about someone getting into a relationship with a ghost. And, um, you know, the, this one, he comes, comes back and meets this beautiful woman who I think the idea is she, she was dead all along because um, he finds a gravestone at the mm. end. I think again, this is a problem because the text isn't translated. Yes, I wasn't sure of that, but perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the that's the point of the ending that he finds a gravestone and it's her gravestone. Um, the yeah, the the first one, the, the silence. Um, it's a, a young student who uh, is is visited by a ghost and then falls in love with her, but then visited by a, a more kind of vengeful version of that same ghost or or a different ghost. 
uh, and then yeah, the third one is a is a a friendship between two two men and one, one living and one a ghost. And it, it's I'd say different twists on the same scenario, and I, I that aspect of it I did like. Yes, um, my favorite was the the last one actually, mm. um, which is which is that when there's a Miller uh, who um, you know becomes friends with this presence who he likes to drink with who turns out to be a ghost who is in purgatory and he needs to find someone to replace him before he can move on. Uh, the first person that comes their way is this woman who wants to commit suicide because her father won't let her marry the man she loves. The miller basically rescues her, so uh, the ghost has to spend more time uh, in purgatory before he can be uh, saved. Uh, and the next person to come their way is this mother and child, uh, which to me had the connotations of an unmarried mother. She's trying to get rid of the child. And she I, I think that I think that was the implication. Yeah, uh, and then can't, couldn't get rid of the child, uh, but uh, rather than accept their their death, uh, the ghost also decides to save them and just spend more time in purgatory, and he is rewarded for his good deeds by being turned into a fairy at the end. <laughs> and, and the poor old Miller just gets left on his own. Yes. <laughs> it's a very sweet film, and kind of, again, with a moral. Yeah, it's, a, it's an allegorical fable. It's meant to teach us about, you know, what happiness is, and unlike those sad and angry people, you know, happiness is doing good deeds for others, I suppose, is what the film is telling us. You know, I'm not in a position to kind of explore maybe the ideological underpinnings of such a position, <laughs> but um, it seemed very pleasant uh, to me. I thought uh, it looked smashing, as with the other Lee Hang Sing film that we've seen. You know, it looked terrific. The compositions were great. You know, it's a, a minimalist film that doesn't feel that way because, you know, the decor is so imposing. You often have, like, large wheels with the characters in the background. The process shots of the ghosts are done incredibly well, you know, so there's kind of, like, a sumptuousness to the image, as there is, indeed, in the first film. Uh, so, the, the, the silent film, yeah, it kind of it feels lush somehow, even though, you know, we're not getting a full sense of the use of the colour. I'm glad I saw these. I, it, it's... Was probably a bit too long. Three films would have been fine. <laughs> um, as with last week's film, they, they were harder to engage with than they should have been, just because of the the, the poor subtitling, and particularly the lack of any sub um, translation of the of the titles. If you're interested in King Who, but but I I, I actually thought the other three films had a kind of atmosphere to them that worked for me, and and perhaps seeing just those three, one after the other, might have worked better. I don't know. It is interesting because, for me, the King Who film was my least favourite of mm. the three, right? Yeah. I yeah. liked that, you know, melancholy, sensual, eeriness. You know, the, the other three films set a mood that is fabulistic, that is allegorical, you know, that yeah, deals yeah. more explicitly with ghosts. They tie together in a way better, I think. Uh, and the King Who film stands apart for all kinds of reasons, including bad ones, I think. I hope people will go see it for the King Who and stick around for the other things. You know, this is a, a, a retrospective or 
uh, a selection of uh, uh, Golden Horse winners. I do wish that they'd gone to more trouble to make better copies. Yeah, this one, I think, uh, if it's such a significant film and historically significant, and, you know, people are going to see it for King Who, you know, and, and, and the other directors, then I wish they provided a better-looking copy with better subtitles. It feels like, you know, certainly for me, uh, as a foreigner and someone who doesn't know very much about the culture but is keen to learn, you know, and you invest this time and effort to find the film and then to watch it, and it's a challenging film, right? I think the least they could do is reward you with a better context for seeing, yeah, a better... Yeah. Or, or at least, you know, give you a free T-shirt if you manage to watch all six. <laughs> <laughs> You're more ambitious than I am. <laughs> all right. I don't want to discourage people from seeing it. To be fair, it's one of those films that I wish we'd uh, uh, had someone guide us through it. Mm, yeah, kind mm. of, or set a context for it. This is a film that would really have benefited from a great introduction. Yeah, because in terms of introductions, if you compare this to the kind of background information that was made available on the on the Film Foundation mm, screenings, for yes. instance, where you've got little, even just a little essay about the film, not necessarily video content, but just to, uh, you know, hear some background uh, would, would have been very, very useful. But the other thing I was going to say is that if you, in terms of the Taiwanese films we've looked at, you know, the... It was all, we looked at all the new Taiwanese cinema stuff, which we, we really enjoyed. We looked at all the earlier 1960s films. Oh, yeah, they were fabulous. Uh, you know, the kind of exploitation films, yeah. we, you know, the, the, the Bride is Returned from Hell, all that kind of thing, which were really exciting. And it kind of feels to me, you've got those really exciting films from the six, uh, 50s and 60s. You've got the really the great 80s films from the Taiwanese new cinema. And then this kind of period of slightly stodgy, big-budget commercial cinema in the middle and that might be unfair but that's kind of the impression i'm forming yeah of, it's kind of how this, it feels like this yeah. yeah so, so you know i guess we, we you know we're 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 learning what the yeah you know, it's a bit like listening to um you know terrible 19 early 1970s pop music and realizing that's what punk rock was for <laughs> <laughs> well we'll see because we are continuing with this series we're persevering we're completed so we'll see them all yeah there's a, we only have two more to go you know part of being curious about cinema is actually kind of learning along with what you see that you're not an expert uh, on everything uh and you know this uh, was definitely i think you know, uh, a film that uh, challenged me uh, in many ways, but uh, what, what is it? The healthy, in a healthy way. <laughs> so like, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, not quite healthy realism, but you know, good. <laughs> well, I mean, this, it is, I have to say, the healthy realism side of things is something we've not really had an opportunity to explore. You know, no. these kind of films about tractors and ducklings and stuff, but. Uh, but for now, uh, we are thinking aloud about film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. Uh, and we'll return uh, shortly with more uh, from the Golden Horse Awards. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Bye.